Holy Spirit's been speaking to me over the break. I've had plenty of time to spend time with God, which is good. Who knows it's really good when you spend time with the Lord? It's the best part. You know, if you're, if you're a Christian and you're not spending quality time with God, there's going to be issues in your life. There will be issues. There will be. We can walk throughout our day and acknowledge God. That's great. You can pray in the car. That's awesome. I love praying in the car. But you're never going to reach a deep level of intimacy with God unless you spend quality time with Him. Quality time. Come on. All the men know what I'm talking about here. Quality time. My wife will often tell me, Dean, I need quality time. I'll say, I've been around you all day. It's funny how that happens, isn't it? You can be around someone all day, but yet there wasn't any quality time spent. There wasn't actually any time spent in intimacy with them. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaen, and Saul, while they were worshipping, and that word for worshipping is the Greek word proskuneo, and it means to minister to. So while they were worshipping, praising, praying, right? To the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted, coming into a 20-day fast, woohoo! After they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. I believe that one of the keys, I believe the key, the key to your success as a believer and seeing more of God's kingdom and seeing more of his presence in your life and not living a mundane life, but leading a biblical life, amen, I believe the key to that is your devotional time with God. And I think that the majority of believers struggle in their devotional time with the Lord. If I was to say in this place right now, if you were tonight, if I told you to go and spend half an hour with God, I think a lot of people would struggle with that. I remember when I was younger, I would... In my early 20s, I made it my mission that this year I'm going to spend more time with God. I'm going to get deeper in my intimacy with Jesus. Amen. That should be the cry of every single person's heart here, to go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. Come on. That should be the hunger of your heart, to know Him more. Paul prays that to the church of Ephesus. He prays that your eyes will be enlightened so that you would know him better, that you would receive wisdom and revelation to know God better, to know him better, to know him better. He didn't say to function in more of God's blessing, though we can. He didn't say to go and get people healed more. He didn't say to go and, to go and uh, get a successful job, though that's awesome. He said to know him better. You need to know him better. I need to know him better. Amen. And I remember, this was about when I was 21, I remember saying, this year I'm going to do it. I'm going, to, I'm going to get into the habit of spending quality time with God. See, prayer, 
think about this. I could come up with a really good theological definition for you, which I often like doing. But prayer is literally communication with God. Prayer is your devotional time with God, spending time with the Lord. Amen? Amen. And so I remember I got, you know, I got into a habit. I'm like, all right, every night I'm going to try and spend 15 minutes with God. Every night. Probably that's a good place to start. I can carve out time for that, right? And I remember I got five minutes in and I thought, man, I've been praying for a long time. <laughs> I checked my phone after about 10 minutes and I'm like, it's a flip, it felt like an hour. And I prayed for 10 minutes, 10 minutes. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. I can often feel like that. God, I want to spend more time with you. But this is difficult. This is tough. And see, Holy Spirit wants to increase you today. He wants to increase your capacity this year. This is what I've found. When you pursue God, when you're hungry, He will increase your capacity. I can pray for a long time now and it feels like five minutes because He's increased my capacity. You can ask my wife that. I'll, I'll say, I'm just going to pray for 10 minutes. An hour later and I'm still praying. That's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. There's people here right now and you're thinking, I can't do that. Why would I do that? I don't have time for that. I can't afford that. Well, you can't afford not to. See, the disciples, they learned how to function in the secret place. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus was teaching them on prayer. And he says, when you pray, when you pray, go to your house Go to your room, lock the door and pray to the Father who is in secret. And the Father who is in secret will reward you openly. Amen? There is a secret place for every believer. Why did he tell the disciples to lock the door, go into their room? Because there's no distraction in there. A lot of us have to deal with the spirit of distraction before we get into the secret place. I'm sure there's a lot of people right now who want to spend time with God and then your phone's buzzing. Everything's going off. You're thinking about what you're having for lunch. You're thinking about what you're doing tomorrow. But see, Holy Spirit is going to increase people today. That's my prayer for every single person in this place, that this year you will grow in your devotional time with God. It's in that place that the promises of God are birthed in your life. The disciples were worshipping ministering to God. And what happens? Holy Spirit comes. Ta-da! They get an answer. They get direction in their life. They see the power of God manifest. Come on. You will see more of the kingdom in your life. Your life will be completely transformed if you learn to spend time with God in the secret place. It's where answers are birthed. It's where you get fresh vision for your year. It's where Holy Spirit begins to sanctify your life and show you things to let go of, and show you things to grab a hold of. Amen? I knew this would get a few people excited. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says to pray continually. Oh. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think pray continually. Continually, continually, continually. That's difficult. Pray continually. What's he talking about there? It's literally meaning to make your life a prayer. Make your life a prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is communication with God, 
intimacy with Holy Spirit. In other words, when I get the secret place right, when I learn how to spend time with the Lord, I learn how to live in continual prayer. Amen? See, the majority of people hear that and they think, oh, far out. I can't do that. That's a burden. Just another rule. Just another religious thing I have to do. No, it's not like that at all. This is about getting the secret place right, okay? Are we ready for that today? Yes. All right. So turn with me to John chapter 16, verse 23. John chapter 16, verse 23. Holy Spirit's going to shift people's thinking. I prophesy over every single person today that you can do it. I know that that's a simple prophecy, but you can do it. You can do it. You can grow in your relationship with Jesus. Don't stay the same. Come on, I know I'm touching on this, but don't stay the same as you were last year in your relationship with Jesus. Go deeper. Go deeper. If you think, here's the thing, if you think you've figured it out, you haven't. I know that there's people and you think, I've figured God out. I've figured God out. Well, you know what? That's a very dangerous place to be. Don't be in that place. The more I've learned about Jesus, the more I've gotten closer to the Lord, the more I realize, the less I know. That's the truth. Come on, I know I'm challenging some people today, but don't stay the same as you were last year. It's time to pursue God more. It's time to love Jesus more. Go into a deeper love for Him. Learn to minister to the Lord. All right. In that day, what day is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the day we're living in, the new covenant, post-death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're in John 16, 23. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you Whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Jesus is speaking here about our devotional life in the new covenant. Think about the difference between the Old Testament, Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And if I could tell you one difference, it's the fact that we have the name of Jesus. All right? Many people pray with an Old Covenant mindset, an Old Testament mindset. They pray outside of their position in Christ. Jesus is saying here that we're living in an age where we are in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to hit some religious things here. We often use the name of Jesus. I believe many people use the name of Jesus and it's like a full stop to the prayer, right? A prayer isn't official until you said in the name of Jesus. So if I was about to pray right now, and I said, thank you, Father. Uh, bless, you know, you're praying for dinner. Bless this food, bless it to our bodies. And if I stopped there, you would all freak out. I mean, everyone would be like, Dean, that is not a Christian prayer. Come on. We all have to say it. In the name of Jesus, right? To qualify the prayer. In the name of Jesus is not a prayer qualification. I'm sorry to tell you. Then you've got to put amen on the end. Amen. So in the name of Jesus, amen, full stop. I've been, I've been to places, I've been for dinner where, where it's like, 
they asked me to pray for dinner, and I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'll pray, okay. And, and I didn't say amen at the end, and then the person, the host said amen, just to, just to finish my prayer for me, right? I was like, thank you, thanks for that. In the name of Jesus, we use it as a full stop. Literally think about this. You're praying, when you pray to God, when you're spending time with God in the secret place, when you're walking throughout the day, when you're speaking to a mountain to get it to move, amen, when you're praying for someone else, you are literally in, in. Think about that word, in, in. So if I was to go drive my car, I would be in the car. I'd be in the car, wouldn't I? I'm not out of the car, I'm in the car, right? You are literally in the name of Jesus. Mm. In the name of Jesus. That's what it literally means. That means your position is in Jesus Christ. The minute you get saved, the minute you receive Him as your Lord and Saviour, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Hidden with Him in God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says, We have been raised with Christ and seated with Him in heavenly places. That means, think about this, that means when I worship, I don't have to look to heaven to worship. It's interesting how we always look our eyes up there. God's somewhere up there. No, He's here. He's with us. Come on. That means when I pray, I'm not praying from earth to heaven. Many people pray from earth to heaven to try to get God to move. No, you're praying from heaven to earth. You're releasing heaven on earth. Amen. Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, dwells in you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Come on. You are seated with Jesus Christ in Him. If you would get this one revelation, if you would just meditate upon this for for the rest of the week, for two weeks, for a month, for a year, however long it takes, just get this into you. It will completely transform your life. It will. It'll completely transform your life. So we come in our position in Christ. Many people in their devotional life, we come to God in prayer, but we come in our own self-righteousness, our own holiness. We do. We come and we think, oh, I haven't been very good this week. Oh, I haven't spent much time with God this week. And so you come to God and you spend the first 15 minutes of your prayer wasted, feeling sorry for yourself because you haven't spent time with God. God must not be happy with me. God must not like me because I haven't spent much time with God. I did this, this and that. Or, you know, I've been really good this week. I've been really awesome. So now I can come into God's presence and now I can praise and worship Him and feel really good about myself. There's a lot of me's in that. Come on, we've all been there. We've all been there. Often people come to God based on their own self-righteousness. We're called to come in our position in Jesus Christ. Think about this. If you're in Christ, when you pray, God sees it as Jesus prays. I know that that's getting people's brains ticking right now. This is the confidence we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Why do we have that confidence? Why do we have that boldness? Because you are in Jesus Christ. When you speak to a sickness, you're meant to have the faith that it's Jesus speaking to that sickness. 
All right, I can see this is a fresh revelation for a few people. So I'll take it easy. In Hebrew understanding, Hebraic understanding, the name of the person was the being of the person. So Abraham, mean, oh, sorry, Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many nations, right? So when they would name someone, it was their very being. It was, it was like, it was the virtue, it was, uh, it was the definition of who they are. So when you are in the name of Jesus, what does that mean to you? That means that's your very being. You are, see many people think, well, we steal the glory from God. You know, don't, you know, oh, it was all Jesus. You go do this and it was all Jesus. Yeah, it's Jesus flowing through you, but there's a partnership. Many people think, well, I don't want to steal God's glory. Well, I'm sorry to tell you this, but he has shared his glory with you. You are a partaker of his divine nature. Second Corinthians chapter 4 says that we are earthen vessels, but we have this glory hidden within us, the nature of God. Come on. Is this? We are in the being of Jesus. That's what it was understood as. Jesus' name means the Saviour, the Anointed One, Christ, Jesus Christ, the Saviour, the Anointed One. We are in His very being. Amen? 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. I believe this is a key to help people today because I think a lot of our issues, a lot of our problems in spending time with God in the devotional place, a lot of the problem is that we're self-righteous, we're focused on that, and then we get stuck in shame. If our hearts condemn us, think about this. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. A lot of people's heart condemns them. A lot of people are stuck in shame and condemnation. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His command and do what pleases Him. And what's His command? Well, you have to do all this. You have to jump through this hoop, jump through that hoop, do all that. No. What's His command? To believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another. Pretty simple. To believe in the name of Jesus and to love one another. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. A lot of people lack confidence before God because they're stuck in shame and condemnation. Our hearts are condemning us. I've been there. You, you, you feel like, well, I haven't been the perfect Christian. I haven't been the perfect believer. You know, I should have done this. I should have prayed for that person. I should have done this. I should have gave more there. You know, is God really happy with me? I don't know. And so we go to spend time with God and we come before Him like a servant and not a son. And we're coming before God and we're stuck in our own self-centeredness, our own selfishness. And then, and then, so what happens is we come before God, but we can't commune with Him. See, God communes with you on the level of a son. God will commune with you when you're, when you're living in Christ. See, your position is in Christ, but many believers act, believe, and think outside of it. And see, it's the calling of God to come into the secret place in Jesus. You're in Jesus. 
All right, I'm going to make this really simple. So we come to God. Thank you, Lord, that I'm in Christ Jesus. So I thank God when I come to pray. I thank God every day. I'm thanking. Thank you, Lord, that I'm covered in Christ, that I'm clothed in Him. I thank you, Jesus, that whoever is united with the Lord is one in spirit with Him. One. One in spirit with Him. So I come to you right now in faith with courage and boldness that Jesus is my great high priest and I'm communing with you today. Come on. Some people need to do that more. Don't, don't get stuck in your own selfishness and self-centeredness that you can't commune with the Lord. The blood of Jesus paid the price so that you would be one with God. Come on. The blood of Jesus paid the price so that you would be one with God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, We can come to His throne of grace with boldness and confidence, what? To find mercy and grace in our time of need. Come on. Many people in their time of need, they go from God rather than to God. Many people in their time of need go from God. Well, God must not be happy with me. God must love me. I don't feel very loved. I don't feel like His presence is with me. I'm going through this problem. God, where are you? What are you doing? We run away from God rather than going to the presence of the Lord. Many people who are stuck in sin and addiction don't realize that it's only in the presence of the Lord that you can get set free from that. The more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you'll fall out of love with your sin. Come on. And so people are stuck in shame and condemnation and their heart is condemning them. The problem with that is that when you ask of God, you get nothing. Why? Because God is a rewarder of faith. Amen. So it says when we have confidence before God, we ask of Him and we receive. All right. We're called to be Jesus conscious. So... I know that this is a difficult thing for people. I can feel that. But we're called to walk into the presence of God and be so conscious of Jesus that we lose sight of ourselves. I'm meant to be so conscious of Jesus that I'm not meant to even be thinking of myself. See, how do you not sin? How do you not be disobedient to God? You don't think about it. It all stems from your thought life, from your imagination. So how, how do I reign over sin, over sickness, over poverty? How do I reign in life through the one man Christ Jesus? I begin to think like the one man Christ Jesus. I begin to glorify him. I begin to realize that, you know what? Even if I don't feel it, I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm set free. I'm dead to sin. And I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. I'm dead to unbelief and I'm alive to faith. Amen. That is your nature. So we come in our position in Jesus. Every day, every day you're affirming your soul that you're in the position of Jesus Christ. Seated with him in heavenly places. The same way the Father looks at Jesus is the same way he looks at me. Because not only am I clothed in Christ but He's filled me with His Spirit. Amen? 
Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Preparations do have to be made, but they can be a distraction. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Religion will tell you that you work to enter into intimacy with Jesus. Religion will say, you've got to do all this stuff, and then God will be happy with you. You've got to go serve here. You've got to go serve there. Serve in your church. Do this. Do that. Be a good Christian. And then you can be more intimate with the Lord. It's amazing how in the human mind we think that. But Jesus is saying the best thing is to sit at his feet. Mary has chosen what is better. See, in the New Covenant, we're in this relationship with God where everything is meant to flow out of intimacy. It says in John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, apart from me, apart from Jesus, I'll say it again, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. All right. If you remain in me and I in you. So you remain in Jesus. So we all start in Jesus. Amen. When you got saved, you were like, yes, Jesus, I'm in you. I'm going to live my life for you. And then we go on and then all our thinking and our believing, we can act completely separate from Jesus. You can walk throughout your whole day and not even live like a believer. If you remain in me and I in you, we're just called to remain. It's not difficult. I'm just called to sit there and remain in him. You remain in me and I in you, you will then bear the fruit. In other words, Jesus is saying your whole life, the whole fruit of your life flows out of intimacy with God in the secret place. So we come in our position and then we seek intimacy. You're called to seek intimacy. We come in our position and then we seek intimacy. I'm sorry to tell you, but God wants you more than he wants your works. I get this is hitting some people today. God wants you more than he wants your works. In fact, he would rather have you than have your works. If he could choose one or the other, he would rather you. He knows when he has you, he gets your works anyway. Come on. And we think we have to do all these things for God to love us. We think for us to be more intimate with Jesus, we have to go and pray this prayer and do this. And then I have to have my whole prayer list when I come to God in the secret place. Come on. See, I believe that many people find prayer a burden because they have the whole wrong expectation on what they think their secret place, the prayer life should be. You should not. I'll be careful in the way I say this. (laughs) You should not be going into prayer thinking I'm going to pray all this. 
I can guarantee you, your prayer life will get really stale and really dry very quickly. It will. If you're going into prayer with your list, I, I get there's things we need to pray about. I get that. And that's really important. But if you're going to spend time with the Lord and you're thinking, all right, I've got to do this, do that. Okay, God wants me to pray for my church. God wants me to pray for my leaders because it says that in Timothy. Then God wants me to pray for every other believer. Well, that's, that's take a while. Whew. Think of everyone here and then everyone else. Far out. Goodness me. Well, imagine all the pastors we just paid full time to pray, right? And then, and then God wants me to um, pray for my children. Yeah, I have to pray for my children. And then God wants me to pray for my job and my workplace. And then he also wants me to, you know, to pray for myself. You know, I've got to confess every area uh, in case I've sinned or done all this. You know, I've got to be careful of that. And we come into... The, but here's a funny thing. Everyone does that. You do. You do. I know you're not laughing at me or you're not laughing with me, but I'm laughing at you. Because you all do it. We all come to God with these preconceived ideas of this is what we want to do. You know what God wants? Intimacy. That's all He wants. He just wants you. He just wants you. So I've said to people before, people have come to me, caught up with them for coffee, and they have a really dry and stale prayer life because they think that prayer is a tick list. You tick, tick everything off. I told them, you know what? I don't want you to pray about anything for a whole month and they freaked out. I wouldn't be a good Christian. God's not going to move. God's not going to do this. No, no. Apart from him, you can do nothing. You remain in him. If you don't remain in him, you ain't going to bear fruit. So you've got to seek intimacy. I told them, all you're meant to do, all I want you to do is every time you go to spend time with the Lord, you just seek intimacy with him. You seek intimacy with God. Change their whole life took off every religious burden on prayer. See, religion, see, here's the thing. Think about this scripture. Martha invites Jesus into her house, right? House, as Keith said before, is a picture of our heart. Martha invited Jesus into her heart. Jesus, King Jesus, King Jesus, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the word of the Lord was in her house and she was distracted doing menial tasks. How often do we get distracted not realising Jesus wants to commune with us every day and we get distracted by every little other thing? No wonder why people are burnt. No wonder why there's Christians who are burnt out, dry and stuck in life. All right, this is challenging. That's okay. You're called to seek intimacy. Mary, what did Mary do? Mary sat at his feet. Jesus didn't say, Martha, what you're doing is terrible. See, works, we still need to do stuff. But see, Martha was letting the works distract her from Jesus. The same opportunity was there for Martha. She just didn't realize it because she was distracted by everything else. Jesus said, Mary has chosen what is better. Martha invites Jesus into her house, into her heart. But she's distracted. Like many believers, we walk throughout the day distracted, not realizing there's this secret place with God where I can be intimate with Him. Mary gave herself to Jesus. Think about that. Mary had Jesus in her heart, but she sought intimacy first. She gave herself to Jesus. She knew what Jesus wanted. 
Jesus didn't want Martha doing the works, even though the works needed to be done. In that moment, Jesus wanted intimacy with her. Come on. It's time for some people here to say, I can't afford not to spend time with the Lord this year. I can guarantee you, you would be a lot more fruitful in life if you said, I'm, I'm going to get home today and I'm just going to carve out a little time tonight. Instead of watching TV, don't tell me you don't have time to spend time with Jesus. <laughs> we often make up that excuse. I'm just going to spend some time with Jesus. And you know what? Speaking out of experience, it can be really difficult to start with. But see, Holy Spirit is our comforter, our exhorter, our advocate, our guide. So that means every time I spend time with Him, He's going to increase my capacity. Amen? He's going to increase me. God is not boring. He's the most exciting person on the planet. Yet many Christians live their life bored. Oh, that hurt, didn't it? God is not boring. I remember he spoke to me about that once. I remember he said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I don't really like prayer. I know that's not good for a pastor to say, but I'm not enjoying, I'm not enjoying praying. It's difficult. It's difficult. And God said to me, it shouldn't be. You're boring. That's the problem. <laughs> I've shared this testimony before. It's like the one word of the Lord I knew that that was definitely from God. Because I wouldn't say that about myself. I'm a pretty fun guy, you know. I'm pretty exciting. Motorbike riding, I love doing all that. I'm not a boring guy. God said to me, you're boring. See, if you're spending time with God, if you're living a bored life as a believer, it's not God's fault. If you're bored with Him in the secret place, it's not His fault, it's your fault. You need to expand your imagination. You need to ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, breathe upon my life. Holy Spirit, produce fruit in my life. Show me what's possible. Produce faith in me. Just do something, Lord. It's the, it should be the cry of our heart to sit at the feet of Jesus. Come on. Amen. Psalm 34 verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in, them, in Him. You know, blessed means happy. You would be a lot more happy in life if you spent time with God. You would be a lot more happy in life if you worked on the secret place. I'm not saying that you need to... See, a lot of people hear this message and they feel really condemned. Because they think, well, I don't spend much time with God. Well, you know, oh, you're saying, Dean, I have to spend half hour with God every day. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm saying you just need to go to the next level. That's all Holy Spirit wants. He's not a taskmaster that's going to try and whip you into line if you don't do enough. He wants to spend time with you. Come on. He wants to spend time with you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, you taste... And then you see that he's good. And then you're happy because you're in his presence. And then you taste a little more and you see a little more and then you see he's good. This is even better. And then, you, and then you begin and then like halfway through this year, all of a sudden you have the capacity to spend 20 minutes with him, half hour with him, whatever it is. And then you taste and see that he's good. And you taste and see that he's good. It's progressive. It's progressive. James chapter 4, verse 6, 
says that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us. He jealously longs. Think about that. In other words, Jesus is in love with every single person in this room. You are the bride of Christ. He wants to spend time with you. He jealously longs. He jealously longs for the spirit he's caused to dwell in you. Holy Spirit is in my spirit. Amen. And Romans 8 tells me that he testifies to my spirit and he's wooing me and he's whispering to us every day, I'm longing for you. I'm longing for you. I'm longing for you. I'm longing for you. It's in the nature of every single believer to commune with God. It is. It's in your nature. Don't think, well, that's not for me. Don't think, well, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a prophet. I'm not all that. I, I, just, I just can't spend time with God. No. He, he jealously longs. He's placed his nature in you. And that nature in you is calling out. Psalm 42, deep calls to deep. Amen. So my deep is calling to the deep of God, to His Spirit, and it's longing. So some of us, like Martha, we need to get rid of the distraction in our soul and tell our soul to get in line with my spirit because my spirit is longing to spend time with God. Many people struggle with distraction. And so what do you do when you struggle with distraction? What do you do? You learn to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to talk about that soon to finish off. But when you're in distraction, you need to affirm your soul and you need to tell your soul, you know what? My spirit wants to be here. My spirit loves Jesus Christ and wants to spend time with the Lord and knows that I'm seeking intimacy. I need intimacy with Him. So soul, get in line. Come on, like King David, you need to speak to your soul. You need to affirm your soul. Soul, wake up. Psalm 42. He says, soul, what are you doing? Stop it. Stop watching TV. You don't have to. I mean, you can watch a little bit. That's fine. Until, you, you know, until you've had enough. But spend time with the Lord. Come on. The disciples were ministering to the Lord. Think about that in Acts 13. They were ministering to the Lord. I believe every mature son or daughter of God needs to learn how to minister to Jesus. See, it's a different thing to receive all the blessings of... See, we can... I'll reword that. We can receive all the blessings of the Lord, but it's different to be able to bless Him. And much of the church doesn't understand that you have the capability to make God happy. You have the capability to bless Him. Just like a child with their father makes their father happy, and blesses their father, gives them a gift on Father's Day. You have that capability. It's your job this year. Make it your goal to learn how to bless the Lord, how to minister to Him. All right, last point. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit, this is going to help a lot of people, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. This couldn't be any more spot on. For when we do not know what we ought to pray. You ever been there? I can guarantee one of the questions 
that has popped up in your head through this is, Dean, I would spend more time with God if I knew what to pray. I would be more intimate with Him if I just knew what to do, what to pray, what to say, right? For we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, living inside of every person here, rises up, it says, intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes. Say that with me. The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There is no greater interceder for you than God. Think about how good God is. This is what I say to people when they think God's not a good father. Well, you know what? This is how good God is that he even prays for you. (laughs) He does. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you according to the will of God. So when you don't know what to pray, when you're in a situation and you're like, God, I don't know. When you're spending time with the Lord, God, I don't know. The Holy Spirit will begin to intercede for you according to God's will for your life. The third thing is that we pray in partnership with Holy Spirit. We pray in the Spirit. We pray in the Spirit, okay? We come in our position, we seek intimacy first, and then we pray in the Spirit. Prayer is meant to be a partnership with the Holy Spirit. I've found in my life that I can often go and pray and pray for people, spend time with God, and I'm not even aware that I'm meant to partner with the third person of the Trinity. Holy Spirit is your perspective in prayer. He's the one who communicates to you. Holy Spirit is the one living with you on earth, living inside of you. He's the communicator. He reveals Jesus. He reveals the Father. See, in prayer, this is how the Trinity functions. We're in Jesus. He is our position. The Father brings our provision. Amen. He's the provider. He gives you. He, he, he gives to you. He loves you. Uh, he, he gives the blessing. He pours it through your life. And the Holy Spirit is your communicator, your perspective. Jesus is our position. The Father is our provision. And the Holy Spirit is our perspective. Think about that. That's how the Trinity functions in our prayer life, a part of it. And he intercedes for us. That word, that Greek word for intercede means to benefit and to come in, and, and to come in line with. So that means the Holy Spirit is there for me in the secret place to benefit me and to bring me into line with who God is and who I am and who God says I am and what he's saying over my life. It's time to partner with the Holy Spirit in prayer. It's time to partner with him. So, the reason we seek intimacy is because when you go into prayer and you wait upon the Lord, all of a sudden, Holy Spirit comes and He begins to speak to you. Don't start praying until you've heard from God. Don't start praying until you've felt Holy Spirit do something. It doesn't have to be a physical feeling. It can feel like faith rising up in you. See, I've prayed. Here's the thing. I've prayed for hours and I've prayed without Holy Spirit. Now you might think, Dean, how is that possible? It's possible. See, I want to read this to you really quickly. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says that those who live in the realm of the, of the flesh or of the soul 
have their minds set on what the soul desires, right? But those who live in the realm of the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. That means that you can be a believer, but you can function in two realms. You can be a believer, but you can still function in the flesh and in the soul. And see, many people come to God and they're praying out of their soul. If you can pray in the Spirit, then that means you can also pray in something else. What's the other thing? In your soul. So many of us come with pain in our heart, pain of the day, sad, angry, upset, this person's hurt me, that person's done this, you're going through a trial, whatever it is, need a new job, doing all that. And so we come to God and we start petitioning the Lord or we start doing something, but we don't realise that we're praying out of our soul and we've missed partnership with Holy Spirit. I would much rather Holy Spirit pray for me than me pray for myself. And I believe that many people fill their prayer life with words out of unbelief. We keep praying because we think God hasn't answered it. God hasn't answered my prayer. And so I pray and then a week's time, well, I haven't seen it happen, Lord, I better pray again. I better do this, I better pray again, I better pray. You know, no, often we are praying out of our soul and we're actually not trusting God. See, a key sign is if you struggle with doubt and unbelief and fear and anxiety in your prayer life. If you come straight out of spending time with God and you're struggling with those things, get back in and spend time praying in the Spirit. Get back in and wait upon the Lord. Come on, how do you do that? Jude chapter 1 verse 20 says that when we pray in tongues, we keep ourselves in faith. We keep ourselves in faith and in the love of God. We build our faith up. Amen. See, many people think praying in the Spirit is just praying in tongues. It's not. Praying in tongues is a part of that. But praying in the Spirit is being led by the Spirit. Tongues, actually Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, that when you pray in the Spirit, when you pray in tongues, your mind is unfruitful, but your spirit prays. So in other words, when you're praying in tongues, it feels like nothing's happening. <laughs> oh, pray in tongues for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Nothing's happening, Lord. My mind is unfruitful. Your mind can feel like it's going everywhere. God, this isn't working. I feel like I'm wasting my time. I feel like I would waste my time if I tried to pray in the Spirit and pray in tongues for 20 minutes, half an hour. But see, when you're praying in tongues, it's putting the Holy Spirit to work in your life. When you're praying in tongues, you're learning to pray in the Spirit. All of a sudden, faith rises up in your heart. All of a sudden, you start to pray with an authority that you didn't have before. Holy Spirit quickens the promises of God to your life. You're not operating out of fear and unbelief anymore, but suddenly you're beginning to pray in faith and you're speaking to the mountain and you come out of that prayer time, you believe what you've said, you've got it and you don't have to pray for it again. Yeah. Oh. So then a week later, I'm thanking the Lord. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that I have this provision in my life. I declare it out, I speak it out because I've already asked. Amen? Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. If you got this, this would change your whole prayer life. This will build your faith today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. I know this, is a, this will be a revelation for some people. It's really hard. I'm joking. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 says, 
that God already knows, the Father already knows your needs before you pray. He already knows what you need. God, I know it's a surprise to everyone here, but God knows everything. He knows everything you need. And sometimes I feel like I do really powerful prayers. It's like, God, this is a great prayer. Come on, if you're going to answer a prayer, or, or, if, or if the devil's going to flee from someone's life, it's because of this prayer. Well, I can guarantee you it's not because of that prayer. Come on. Come on. I can guarantee you it's when the Holy Spirit's power shows up. See, the prayer is the partnership with God. When you pray, you're creating a space for Holy Spirit to then come and move. Come on. A lot of people have to, need to have a lot more trust in the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that. It says that the Holy Spirit, He lives in you, and the Holy Spirit, He lives in the Father. And He reveals the thoughts of the Father to you. So that means my prayer life shouldn't be difficult. Spending time with God shouldn't be hard at all because I'm communing with Holy Spirit. He's revealing the thoughts of God to me. John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice. It's in my nature to hear the voice of the Lord. Amen. I remember, I'll finish on this. I remember I was praying for breakthrough for two people, for, and I'm very, I'm very tenacious in my faith, all right? So it can take me a long time to learn because I can do things for a long time and then it takes me a while to realize I'm doing it wrong. And I was praying for these two people that, that, they would, that I would get an opportunity to speak into their life, but they would be open to, to receiving it, right? Because like, I felt like whenever I was around them, they were just completely closed off to God. You've ever met people like that? If you know me, I'm always, I'm always trying to break down those walls. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, you're the Lord of the harvest. You know them. So I want you to give me a key. Just do something. So that they will receive, you know, when you try and wrestle someone into believing in Jesus. It doesn't really work that way. And I remember I was praying for these people for about four months and nothing was happening. And this is where God revealed this to me. He revealed this revelation that you've been praying, but you hadn't been partnering with Holy Spirit. So you've been praying prayers that, that are biblical. They're good prayers but they're just not the right prayers for those people. Holy Spirit is the Lord of the harvest. He knows where those people are at. It's time to partner with Him. You know what I did? I started praying in tongues and I just said, Lord, open up their heart and give me an uncommon opportunity to speak into their life so I'll know it's you. Uncommon. That week, that week I was with those two people and out of the blue, without me having to force anything, they just asked me, what do you do for, what, sorry, they said, what do you teach your youth about God? How amazing is that? Before when I talked about God, they, they literally, they were like, walls up, didn't want to say anything. Once I began to let the Holy Spirit go to work, partner with Holy Spirit, it was that week. In fact, it was on the Monday night I prayed. It was two days later on a Wednesday. I ended up having a 45-minute conversation with them when I was meant to be working, but that's all right, <laughs> about Jesus. Come on. See, that's what happens. There's many people here and you're, you're looking for breakthrough in your prayer life and this is the key. The key is 
to pray in the Spirit. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, Those who wait upon the Lord, those who wait upon God. Oh, Lord, I'm waiting. It's difficult to wait. If there's silence in church, we want to fill it with sound. If there's silence in our life, many people can't be silent and wait upon the Lord. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Come on. If you're living at 50% of your energy levels, it's time to wait upon the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will soar with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary and they'll walk and not faint. Come on, I used to quote that scripture every time I'd get up to the start line to race. <laughs> I'm going to run and not grow weary today. Whew. I ran all right. Waiting upon the Lord renews your strength. Waiting upon the Lord, spending time with God. You would do yourself a huge favor if you came into the secret place with God, if you just got home from work, carved out a little bit of time for this year, for this week, to get some vision for this year and say, God, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. I'm seeking intimacy with you. I'm crying out to you, Jesus. I need more of you. I need to see more of your presence in my life. I need more of your kingdom in my life. I know it's within me and I know that you're for me, but I'm not seeing it all yet. I need to see more of your promises. Come on. I need to have fresh vision for this year. Amen. I need to increase. My capacity needs to increase. Don't stay where you're at. Jesus, there is so much more. There is so much more in the kingdom of God. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's His good pleasure. It's His good pleasure. He wants to give it to you. He's not holding back. God's not holding back from anyone in this room. Amen? Amen. So we wait upon the Lord. For those who are here and you've been burnt out, depressed, fearful, stuck in unbelief. You know, I'm just getting by. A good, a good key for that is that you say to people, I'm tired. When you say I'm tired a lot, that, that's, that's a good key that maybe you need to do something different. Maybe you need to spend time at the feet of Jesus rather than being distracted in your whole life. Well, I'm busy. I'm busy, I'm tired. I'm busy, I'm tired. I'm busy, I'm tired. How are you going? Yeah, I'm busy, I'm tired. That shouldn't be the line of the life of a believer. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Come on. Come on. Make it, make it a goal this week to get into the habit of spending time with God. What do I mean by that? I mean by just, doesn't matter where you are, the secret place is within you, but removing distraction from your life and saying, Lord, I want to hear from you this week. I'm going to grow in intimacy with you, Jesus. I can't afford not to. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray for every single person today that there is an increase in capacity to seek the Lord. I pray for every person today that there is a removal of all the rubbish that is stopping them from spending time with Jesus Christ, from spending time with the first love. Father, I ask right now that you would reveal, that you would drop seeds into people's hearts 
of what their future looks like when they pursue you, Jesus. I thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. I thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. And I pray for those people. There's people here and you've tried to do it before, but it's almost like there's a, it's like discouragement upon your life. There's a discouragement upon your life because you feel like God doesn't speak to me. I can't do it. It's not for me. I don't know enough of the word. That's not true. That is a lie from the devil. And I command that lie to leave right now in Jesus' name. I rebuke discouragement that's tried to attack people's lives. I cancel the assignment upon the enemy to try to get people distracted and discouraged in Jesus' mighty name. I prophesy over those people right now. I prophesy that like Mary, you are an intimate lover of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord.